welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 3, Episode 20, Murderer's Sky. The original air date for this episode was May 9th, 1988. It was directed by Michael Vahar, and it was written by Herman Miller. Uh, this is his only MacGyver and he also developed uh, Kung Fu, the series. Yes. Which uh, explains the appearance of Q Luke and Ernie Reyes Jr., who shows up in the sort of sequel series to Kung Fu later. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, MacGyver Project had made the point, <clears throat> uh, I think it was Mark Hagen in the comments, had said that this was originally an 18-episode order for season three, mm-hmm. and that at the last second they needed to add two more episodes. Right, so right. that's why we had a spec script for The Endangered, and they brought in like a veteran TV producer developer to put this episode together as quickly as possible. Um, so that kind of explains why these last two are are different than the rest of the series or mm-hmm. the rest of the season, but um, still pretty solid episodes. Yeah, yeah very solid. Um, very much in the MacGyver spirit for sure. Yeah, definitely. So why don't we uh, discuss the the plot of this episode in brief? Uh, in this episode, uh, MacGyver and the Phoenix Foundation are helping to protect this shipping company. When the head of the company is assass- uh, an assassination attempt, uh, and then in order to help save the company, the MacGyver is required to find the grandson of the owner. Right. Um, and the company is called Jade Dragon. Right. Which is the same as the priceless artifact from the first episode of this Exactly. So it's the- probably the company that shipped it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> it, what, yeah. Didn't it come in on a cruise ship or something? Yeah, that's originally? true. Um, but yeah, so it's all... It's all bringing itself full circle, um, and we have kind of the same uh, the same introduction as as uh, as uh, the Wish Child, because we have Tia Carrera dressed as a ninja, mm-hmm. and we don't know that it's a woman until right. it, she it's, it's, reveals herself. It's very ambiguous. Of uh, you know, you just have this person in all black, you know. All, all the way up to the eyes, even like all you. Just, it kind of looks like the the costume that MacGyver's wearing at the beginning of. Uh, Target MacGyver. Target MacGyver. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. In that, well, we, in that semi uh, opening gambit. For scene. for those who don't who don't remember, MacGyver blows up a nuclear facility. <laughs> yep. He just totally destroys a nuclear facility with bombs. Uh, Probably kills a bunch of people working there. Innocent scientists. Fallout. It's yeah. It's a very messy episode. Yeah. Um, but in this episode, uh, this assassin is up on the rooftop of J Dragon shipping. Right. Uh, inside. Is Mr. Adam Chung the? Uh, I guess was he be the president or the CEO? Not. Yeah, I think like president. He, it's yeah. his company. Yeah. And he's in charge, and his vice president, uh, Raymond Ling, is uh, bringing him some tea and saying good night to him. You know, it's like late, um, but apparently he was still expecting Pete and MacGyver to be coming up, coming in that night. Yeah. It was, it was which was kind of strange. I thought. I, di- I didn't realize that. Because he says like they'll they'll be about an hour delayed, so I thought you might like some tea. Oh, okay. And 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 so it just seems like man, if they're coming so late, I wonder what's going on. Yeah. And uh, but I guess it makes sense then because uh, when they are in the hospital afterwards, it's still night and all that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, getting ahead of our, getting a little ahead. Um, so as Ray Man, as Ray, I just want to say Ray. Yeah. Because yeah. of Ghostbusters, <laughs> <laughs> see, like you don't see Raymond as a name very often. Yeah. Except for everyone who loves him. And so, Raymond Chandler. Yeah. That's it. That's it. No more. Uh, so he leaves, and so the assassin kind of just drops down and hangs out outside the window with 
Mr. Chung has his back to the assassin. Right. But then he just gets up he for some He spins around at the last second. Yeah, yeah. He, he gets up and walks around his desk, and that's when he makes eye contact just as this crossbow bolt is shot through the window. But he's so quick for an old guy. Yeah, like he, he just... ducks after it gets shot, but before it gets to where he is. Yeah. Um, he drops to the ground, and when the bolt hits the opposing wall, it just explodes. Which, we're not we're not clear if it was supposed to explode hitting the wall, okay. or, if, or if they were intending to just hit him in the face and then have it explode. Explode, yeah. It's, it's such a brutal... It really doesn't seem like, um, like a casual death. It, it seems like if their plan is to take over this company, and they want to do it, yeah, discreetly, then yeah. you don't want to blow up the president's <laughs> office. That's not really how you do it. Or and, and specifically blow him up to right. the point when the forensics come in and goes, he is the center of this explosion. Yeah, the the epicenter was his brain. <laughs> um, but well, he was a, it, real old, you know. Yeah, he was old. I took care of it. He had a bump ticker. <laughs> That's why they call it a ticker. Yeah. Because it just because eventually they explode. You don't realize it. Um, but yeah, it just it made me think of the red letter media review of Star Wars Episode One. Hey, you guys got any rat poison lying around? Put it in the tea. Put it in the tea. They'll drink it. Put the rat poison in the tea. So anyways. <laughs> like, you just brought him a tray of tea and all these cups and he just yeah. drank willingly from it. And, and we know they have poison because yeah. it's a plot device later. And, and I, even when the scene happened, I was like, well, they should have just poisoned his tea and then made up some, like, silly, like, oh, this is a Chinese poison that's totally untraceable or something like mm-hmm. that. And and I totally would have bought it. And then later in the episode, sure enough, here comes that untraceable poison. <laughs> Uh, but it can only be administered, apparently, by a hospital. Right. But nobody would have questioned it if it was just an old guy that died in his office late at night after yeah. drinking some tea. Like, unless, I guess, they drank some more tea <laughs> to test it. <laughs> yeah, but MacGyver and Pete show up. Oh, he's dead. You well, should here's... have only made him enough tea for one half cup. <laughs> he's just like, this isn't very much tea. Yeah, I know. Drink it. You're lucky I brought you I, any tea I need all. all of it in your body. Uh... <laughs> So as the assassin makes uh, the getaway, uh, a uh, a kind of like cargo container carrying car, it's like specially designed to like lift containers and drive drive one at a time across the right. the, where, the docks. Um, one's driving by, but the assassin kind of ducks underneath it because the, there's no bottom to this container. Right. But there is like an iron bar welded across, which they use to kind of grab on and kind of fling themselves up. Into, out of sight. And the person driving the, operating the, like, truck moving the crate around is Al Leong. Who's, right. Who's in on it, so it, it wasn't, like, an accidental thing and the and the assassin didn't have to hide from the driver. Right. They, this was all, this was all coordinated thing. He probably, yeah. he probably knew to start driving as soon as he heard the explosion. Yeah. And so they kind of drive off. Uh, Raymond comes back in the office and, like, calls down to some workers who've gathered to call the police or ambulance, I think he says. Yeah. And, uh, which he didn't have to do. Yeah. Seems like. Again. If, I mean, m- skipping ahead a little bit, it's in this guy's best interest that an ambulance not be called right away. Mm-hmm. Um, he maybe could have just said, hey, I left. Yeah. I don't know what happened after I left. I was gone. Nope. <laughs> Instead, he, he flags down the the workers on the docks. Maybe just to throw us off as viewers. <laughs> here's what's happening he, he says call an ambulance quick and, and Raymond goes back and just starts kicking yeah <laughs> call an ambulance trying. he just starts kicking him in the face <laughs> why are you doing this he's really hurt uh, uh. Uh, 
So the uh, cargo container car pulls over uh, right at the edge of the water, kind of thing of the of the where of the port, I guess. Yeah. And that's when this is where we see Al Young come down, and he tells the assassin like, "Get out of here! Our jobs are done." Right. Um, and this is where we get the reveal that it's Tia Carrera. Yeah. Uh, or Carrera. Tia Carrera. Carrera. Uh, yeah. She she starts to reveal herself more and more yeah. to the point where she's all she's wearing is a one piece bathing suit because for some reason it was necessary for her to swim away from right this area um and yeah so she she packs up all her stuff into a bag and just is seen last seen climbing down into the water or not we don't even see her into the water we just see her climb out of frame right uh so uh we go for right from here to the hospital where when we were watching it, I was like, this is like a crazy dark shot. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's like no They're lighting. getting out of a car, standing on the sidewalk, and the only lighting, it seems like there's a car parked like 10 feet back from their car mm-hmm. with its brights on to light the scene. But but uh, the reason we, we assume is because it's like a really long tracking shot. Like, it follows them all the way into the hospital. Through the lobby, up the escalator. Yeah. So they must have had the the, 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 the aperture set for the lighting of the interior. Right. So that's why it was so dark on the exterior. Yeah. Uh, cause they don't want, cause he, cause for people, otherwise who it'd know, look really weird outside. Yeah. Well, for people who don't know, I mean, you can, you can adjust those things as you go, but it's like, a, it's like a pain because when you adjust the aperture, you have to readjust the focus. Yeah. Um, it can be done if you have like a lot of people working on it, but this seemed like a single steady cam operator. Yeah. So it was probably just in the best interest to keep it in for the hospital focus and lighting yeah. and just, let it be dark outside. And any more lights outside would have made it look suspiciously well lit. Yeah. So it, it, it's a good shot though. Like yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's probably one of the more impressive shots that we've seen in the show. Yeah. Like it, it like took some time to set up and coordinate, have people opening doors in time for the camera operator to keep moving. Uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty good work. And now we move into um, Adam Chung's hospital room and we see that he survived this explosion, which it mm. seems like when, when we see, the aftermath of the explosion where he's just kind of, he ducked down and laid down on the ground and then stuff got thrown on top of him. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he should be that hurt yeah. from what happened. If, if anything, like his ears, his eardrums were probably completely destroyed. Yeah. Maybe ruptured, but, bleeding. But other than that, like he has bruises all over his body, his yeah. arms and legs and stuff. It just yeah. doesn't seem like that would have happened. Because it even seems like, because the point of impact and where he was on the floor, the, the furniture in the office would have provided some debris cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, certainly wouldn't have sent shrapnel into his body. Right. But, uh... And the actor who is playing Adam Chung, by the way, is Key Luke. Right. Who we had as the grandfather in The Golden Triangle, mm-hmm. Season 1, Episode 2. Um, he's also the guy who sold Gizmo in the Gremlins movies. Mm-hmm. Well, he sold him in one of them, and then he, uh, he got stolen in the other movie. Yeah. Or did he get stolen both times? Well, he technically got stolen both times, yeah. because his grandson in Gremlins... Like, he wouldn't sell him. Right. Like, he wouldn't sell Gizmo. Yeah. And uh, so the guy's grandson, like, desperate for money, yeah, like, sells it to... Uh, right. Uh, Hoyt, Hoyt Axton? That's who plays the father? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's also... Uh, Key Luke is also in 23 episodes of Sidekicks, with Ernie Reyes Jr. playing his grandson there also. Mm-hmm. Um, he also played Master Poe on Kung Fu, which is probably his best-known role. Um, he was Charlie Chan in 14 episodes of The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan, um, which is funny because he, he had previously played uh, Son Number One in a bunch of the <laughs> of the original Charlie Chan movies. Um, he did the voice of Brack on the original Space Ghost cartoon, which <laughs> awesome. is awesome. Um, 
and he appeared in a 1957 episode of Climax, which is three years after James Bond showed up on that show. Nice. Um, and he was the original Cato before Bruce Lee um, in the 1940 film. Right. No, yeah, not, not the TV series. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, so he's got a lot of credits, a lot of a lot credits, of credits going way back, but he's an awesome guy. Uh, so as uh, Pete and MacGyver get to the hospital, Raymond shows them into Mr. Chung's room, and he's still conscious. Yeah. Like, he, he's in pain, but he, I think he feels like he's going to die. Like, he's, these injuries are going to be severe enough that he's not going to make it through this. Yeah. Um, so he asks Pete and MacGyver to find his grandson, who's at a monastery near San Francisco. Right. Trying to join the Foot Clan. Right. Yep. He's got to steal all the bells off the uh, off the mannequin. And then Raphael does it for him. <laughs> you know, this kid just like is just breathing through life, breathing <laughs> through life. Ninja Turtles helping him out. <laughs> um, so now we flash immediately to the monastery. Yeah. MacGyver already found the exact one. Yeah, like there's there's no like searching. There's no like, uh, you know, is this where this kid is? Like he's just he's just there, and Luke is meeting him right away. Yeah. And uh, MacGyver is hesitant now to explain the situation because he thought... Grandfather was... didn't explain properly how, yeah. how old his grandson was. Right, because his grandfather just obviously got an assassination attempt. Yeah. Um, you call it an assassination if it's not like a dignitary or something, or is it just a murder? Uh, yeah, I think it's just attempted murder. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to belittle this man's position. Well, maybe, but... I don't know. Is assassination like... When you're removing someone from power, yeah, then maybe it is an assassination. Yeah, because because he's the president of the company, and they yeah, need it's him. Hard to say. They need him gone. Yeah, I don't know the definition of assassination. If you know, please leave a comment. Yeah. Uh, we can't. We don't have the technology to look that up ourselves. Yeah, there's a dictionary somewhere in here, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So MacGyver is like really uh, hesitant to bring up the fact that like he wants him. His grandfather wants him to run the company because he, this kid might be a target, and he's just a kid. Um, the act of assassinating someone. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Google. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Definition of assassinate. To assassinate. Perfect. <laughs> to kill, usually for political reasons. All right. So it's not really a political reason. No. That was our little segue to. The Google search. <laughs> Have fun editing that pad. <laughs> oh, I will. Uh, but uh, Luke is insistent. You came here to find me. My grandfather wants me to meet him. It's my choice. I choose to go. Yeah. And he doesn't have any belongings because he's a monk. And so he's like, I'm ready to go now. Easy, but apparently, all of a yeah, apparently, like, he did own a jacket and jeans and other clothes because he's, like, in wearing, like, robes kind yeah, of yeah. when he's there. Um, and then Maybe all, he bought him at the airport. That's true. He showed up naked at the airport and bought some jackets. This is all that I need. Uh... <laughs> and this paddle ball. And that's all I need. <laughs> and this thermos. Uh... The kid, by the way, is Ernie Reyes Jr., who we've right. been hinting at his credits a little bit already. Um, he played one of the two warriors defending the cemetery from grave robbers in Crystal Skull. Yeah. The one who gets the dart blown down his throat. Um, he... Uh, he played Sing Ling in Kung Fu The Legend Continues, which is like the sequel series to Kung Fu, mm. where now David Carradine is like shepherding him along instead of Q Luke taking care of David Carradine. Um, and then he was Johnny on Surf Ninjas. Mm. He was Kino in Ninja Turtles yeah. 2. See, that's the only one you really need that's to the, say. That's the important one. And then he was also, uh, one of his early earliest credits was uh, Prince Tarn in Red Sonia. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. That's a big role. Yeah. I think he was but, probably. But Kino's of... still, I think, most people's favorites. Yeah. Although I really like Surf Ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's a totally ridiculous movie, I really like it. And we were just looking up, I guess, his his father was the stunt coordinator for that movie, which may or may not have had a hand in getting him that right, role. Right. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he had something to do with Ninja Turtles also. Well, I mean, and well, because when we were looking up his father, he said that uh, he kind of made deci- he kind of made the decisions as far as who what who can do martial arts in the movies that he's choreographing. Right, because people that were fighting each other that that um, that hadn't fought each other before could often cause problems, and people would get injured on right. set. And so it was his decision that, like, in these movies, like everyone who's fighting each other should be from the same studio and have experience fighting each other. Exactly. Stuff like that. So. Know, know your opponent's moves and their style and. Who else was in Surf Ninjas? It's Rob Schneider is one of the other Rob guys. Rob Schneider. <laughs> Rob Schneider is a child ninja. And then what? A, who is the other? Oh, I don't were know. Were there any other people in that? I, I am embarrassed to say that I've never seen Surf Ninjas. You've never seen Surf Ninjas? I've never okay, seen Okay, well, Surf hold on. We're going to pause the show real quick. <laughs> All right, we're back. Richard has <laughs> wow, now seen it's Surf Ninjas. the most Ninjas. amazing thing ever. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, you really haven't seen the it? The Oscar goes, too. Okay, we're going to watch that soon, though, because that's... that's required material yeah i don't know i've never seen i've I've never seen the you know i've never seen the three ninjas either what yeah wait really i've never seen the three ninjas any of them three ninjas i've seen one of them in person (laughs) (laughs) but um i've actually only seen one of those movies too i haven't i never saw kickback i never saw high noon at mega mountain mega mountain yeah Yeah. it's like i know the titles yeah yeah. because people talk about them all the time also we had them all at the blockbuster that we both worked at uh where were we? Go rent ninja movies. Yeah, go rent some Beverly Hills Ninja. Uh, AKA Kung Fu Panda, the prequel. So, um, as uh, MacGyver brings Luke to the hospital, Mr. Chung has, has slipped into a coma. Right. Um, we're assuming that this is a natural coma and wasn't induced in well, any way. <laughs> mildly induced by yeah, an explosion. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, while Luke and MacGyver are kind of standing there, there's like an orderly who leaves the room super suspiciously and he's just like giving them the stink eye as he kind of rounds and comes around to the other side where there's like a window into the hallway yeah and he's just watching them as like he sneaks into another room that also has a window yeah everywhere he goes we can see him still yeah he's just like always leering and then he makes a very suspicious looking phone call right um and uh and now we cut to century city where a man and he's unidentified in the episode but uh, I think he's credited as Alistair. Yeah, Alistair. In the, in the, yeah. In the final credits, the actor's name is uh, um, Roderick Cook, and he actually passed away just a couple years after this episode. Oh, oh he he's a pretty entertaining like minor villain for this story. Yeah, because... I think I, I described him as sort of a, a poor man's Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, but, but he's uh, he's got really good lines, mm-hmm. and uh, he's just creepy yeah just he's, creepy enough for yeah the part. He, he's got good presence and good delivery of these of these kind of like cold lines but he's delivering with his like accent and they do a good job of making him like a sociopath yeah uh and uh, so he's upset because he just found out that there's a grandson and raymond's totally also this blindsided is always, by it yeah, yeah well this is this is the first time we know we get the the reveal that raymond was in on it right uh he has he's in this guy's office and he's like no no i was supposed to take over once he was dead. And then they, he says, well, you told me all he had was a son. And then he's like, yeah, and it's, his he's, son died a long time ago. Yeah. But 
well, I guess it was only eight years ago. Mm. But I feel like they, they could have added some depth to it to be like, well, we killed his son eight years ago. Like, yeah. we didn't realize his son also had a son. That's that's playing the long game, though. Yeah, like, yeah. They, that, that's a little, that's a little too much We took care of all of his heirs. Let's wait eight years <laughs> and then blow up his office to well, be yeah, as unsuspicious they, as possible. They had to build up time for Raymond to get into the company and get up to the point of vice president. Right, yeah, yeah. He didn't just get hired as vice president. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but this is all part of a uh, Hong Kong cartel conspiracy to gain control of the shipping company, most likely to distribute drugs in America. Yeah, there's a, there's a company that has wanted to merge with Jade Dragon, and they've been resistant to the merger. Mm-hmm. And now their their plan was to, as discreetly as possible, blow up the president, <laughs> and then uh, and then have the the president's replacement just agree to the merger and yeah. finish everything off. Um, bad plan. Yeah, this is this is not a well thought out plan. But with uh, with Luke now in the picture, they have to they have to get rid of him. Luke, because- who by the way. You pointed out, and we'll we'll post a picture of this in the uh, show notes on, the, on right. the website. But in the opening credits, he's he's listed as Luke Chen. Yeah, C H E N. Even though his name is Luke Chung in the episode, right? Um, I wonder if they're confusing it with Paul Chen, who was the Wish Child. Mm. But um, but yeah, Luke Luke Chung should be his name in the opening. Yeah, yeah. Um, assuming he has the same last name as his father and grandfather right yeah i which mean he he introduces himself as luke chung yeah but in the so, in the credits it said luke chen very confusing for some reason um so alistair wants raymond to facilitate a, a mugging that is a staged mugging that goes bad and ends up luke getting killed right. just to just to get him out of the picture let's, let's clean up that loose end chung's in a coma things are going our way we just need to get rid of this kid and with their established discretion, they send 19 muggers <laughs> to kill this guy. All armed with unique weapons. Yeah, there's like two truckloads of ninjas waiting in the parking lot. <laughs> um, but before that happens, Luke is uh, uh, putting his hands on Mr. Chung, like like in between his toes, on his right. ankles, on his chest. And it's it's some kind of... Uh, he calls it acupressure. Yeah, Um I think MacGyver also refers to it as Jir Jir Jung, but um, I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, and this this technique brings Mister Chung out of his coma, right? Much to the doctor's surprise, and then I think frustration because he asks them both to leave. Yeah, he's like, "All right, uh, there's nothing you can do here. Get out of the way." Yeah. I need to work on this man, and then he. He's like, I need to all he this... needs to do is sleep. Yeah. Like, just leave him alone. I need to put him back into a coma. Yeah. We induced that coma for his own good, and you just revived him. How did you undo <laughs> all of that Thorazine? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, unwanted Mac and Luke decide to leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to leave his grandfather in the hands of these incompetent doctors. <laughs> yeah. Who um, don't even know how to do acupressure. Right. Because that's, that's modern techniques. Yeah. Um, so as they're heading down to the parking garage, assuming to get into Max's Jeep, yeah. um, this is when they are ambushed by an army. And again, <laughs> they send the same guy, Al Leong, right. that is the actor's name. He plays Wayne Lim in this episode. Um, but yeah, him and his team of assassins mm-hmm. all pile out of a car. And uh, originally, like MacGyver kind of wants to avoid a confrontation. Right. And they, they try to back towards the stairwell. 
which we know is populated because we just saw a couple of nurses like enter. Yeah. Um, but then a whole bunch of guys come out of the stairwells. So right. Their exit is blocked. The nurses changed into their ninja uniforms. Yeah. It's like, ha. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Luke kind of like makes a comment about the, whether or not superior numbers, it, uh, will overwhelm an opponent. Right. Um, but MacGyver doesn't seem willing to, to yeah, want to fight. Like, no, no, no. That's you're being crazy. Yeah. Hold on. Let's not do this. Um, he backs into they back they kind of back them up against a near a wall. Um, but, they, but apparently MacGyver can see into the bed of a truck, which has a big yeah. pipe in it. Yeah. So as Al Leong is approaching MacGyver, MacGyver just grabs the pipe and just kind of like slides it back so fast and hits him right in the face. Yeah. He just cracks him with the end of the pipe like yeah. it's just punt like a hole punch right in his face. <laughs> There's like a big chunk of face stuck at the yeah. end of that pipe. <laughs> and Ali Yong, by the way, was on that uh, the the three way Venn diagram we made uh, during the Wish Child episode of people that are in either the Golden Child, MacGyver, or um, Big Trouble in Little, Little China. China. Yeah, and he's one of those people that's in all three of them. Um, but he's in he's in this episode instead of the Wish Child episode of MacGyver. Right. If only. Right. I think the only person who was in all three of them and that episode of The Wish Child was James Hong. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he was Genghis Khan, or Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> Bob Genghis Khan. <laughs> in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He was Uli in Die Hard. Yeah. Um, he plays the Yakuza assassin in Black Rain. Yes, that assassin. Yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. thinking of. Um, he was Endo in Lethal Weapon. Obviously, he was one of the Wing Kong hatchetmen in uh, Big Trouble. He's like the first one that, that Kurt Russell sees in the mirror. He's like... Oh, yeah, so these guys, they wear red bandanas. <laughs> He's like, yeah, why? Uh, looks like they're coming right now. Um, but one of his first roles was as, like, one of the Vietnamese characters in uh, the ill-fated segment of The Twilight Zone. Oh, jeez. So, I feel like, like we've talked about that before. But yeah, yeah, definitely. People don't know. People died on the set of that yeah. movie. Um, so that was that was his first role, and he decided to continue acting for a living. So yeah. good for him. Yeah. Um, and he also appeared on Kung Fu. So did the actor playing uh, Raymond in this episode. So it's it's a lot of Kung Fu people coming back mm-hmm. for this show. Um, and so uh, Ernie Reyes immediately starts going off into martial arts. Yeah. And taking on, like, several guys at once, leaving MacGyver kind of like the – MacGyver just kind of, like, fights off one or two of them. Yeah. But he's using that pipe as a like an extra long bow staff. Yeah, it, I definitely had big trouble flashbacks here. Like, like you know, the white guy with a mullet that's only fighting one guy at a time, while yeah. his like Asian sidekick is beating everybody up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it just definitely feels like scenes from Big Trouble in Little China. Um, MacGyver though, he hits this one guy so hard that it spins him around through the back windshield of a car. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and so during this whole thing, like finally, like. The guys have had enough. They've taken enough punishment, and yeah. they they all take off running, and even pile back into one car. Yeah, and then that car just reverses the hell out of there. Yeah, straight out of the parking structure. Um, Which actually, one of the first fights in Big Trouble in Little China ends with the like all the assailants piling into this tiny car and mm-hmm. and just peeling out of a parking structure after they steal the girl at the airport. Oh, okay. So again, it reminded me of that. Is this this is after that, right? Yeah, before. yeah. Uh, Big Trouble was 86. Okay. So, yeah, this is 88. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, because I really like it, is in this parking structure, the uh, lane dividing lines are painted up the walls. Oh, right, yeah. And it's kind of, like, I was searching, that's kind of weird, but, like, but but I was like, that's actually kind of cool, because I back into spaces at the parking structure at work, and I'm like, I can never, 
tell whether or not I'm in the lines or not. But I mean, even pulling in forward, it would be nice to have them because so yeah. much of the time it's like you don't know until you open your door whether you're in the lane. Or like how, this way yeah, you would know how, exactly in between. Yeah, it seems like a really helpful feature, and I wish more uh, garages would implement such yeah. a thing. I actually wish more parking lots would just put up walls <laughs> in, the, in between the lanes so that I could see those lines. They don't. They don't, for the record. Um, so uh, now we cut back to the bad guy's office, and they find out that Chung has recovered, that uh, uh, that the kid's still alive because the mugging attempt failed. Yeah. And They're having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> you had a bad day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put the, whole, the music behind you saying that. And everything. Uh, just don't get us content I need. Right. Um and then, uh, so their next plan is to put the put the untraceable drug in the yeah, IV. Yeah, now we introduce the untraceable poison. <laughs> um, but uh, Steve, who is the orderly, who's been, like, reporting in from the hospital, uh, he doesn't really want to do this. Yeah, he's like, this is a terrible idea. He's on. He's under watch all hours of the day. They're, they're like, watching for assassins now. They're, yeah. There's no way you get away with this now. Yeah. Maybe if you had some opportunity earlier in this episode to serve him tea with poison, with poison in it. In it. Maybe he could have done it then, but now it's too late. Uh, but they insist, and uh, they've kind of backed him into a corner where they're threatening his life, which is stupid because if you kill him, then you have no one on the inside. Right. Uh, so you do need him alive for now. It's just a condolence prize. Like, well, mm-hmm. we didn't get the company merger, but we got to kill this orderly that yeah. didn't do what we said. Um, and so... He takes the the poison, and then the next step is to send Tiu, who's uh, Tia Carrera's name, yeah, um, after Luke. Right. And that's Act One, man. That is like <laughs> that is like the entirety of Act One. That is a crazy opening to the show. It's a lot of stuff. Um, because when we come back at the hospital, Chung is still t- talking to Luke about like his past family and why he sent Luke away. And uh, what what is the nurse's name here? Is that is the orderly's name? Is that Steve? It's Steve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's going to come back for Rush to Judgment and Jericho games. So he's got two more MacGyver. Oh, good. He's. I love when people return. Yeah. Come back. Um, so Mac decides to take Luke home uh, again <laughs> since they didn't get out of there last yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, from here, then we go back to the scene of the office explosion. Right. Because the head of security is kind of showing MacGyver and Pete through the scene. Here's where the impact happened. Window blown out. Um, they ask a weird question of how did the assassin get on the roof? And it was like, that's not the first question I would... Yeah. I was like, there's probably all kinds of access ways to the yeah. roof. You climb Or up, like a grappling know. hook. Like, who cares? Yeah. Especially since they don't have an answer to the question. Yeah. It's like, why even bother mentioning it? You just you just do. Yeah, that's not the hard part. Yeah. Um, the hard part is how do you get down from the office without anybody seeing Yeah, it? and how do you get away? Yeah. Those are the questions. Like, you know, um, if I got up onto the roof of my house, no one would go, how'd you get up there? <laughs> like, they just would go, he got up onto the roof somehow. I, I, to be honest, I would ask you how you got up there. <laughs> are you a witch? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, MacGyver casually notices that one of the workers... It has a wrench similar to the wrench that Al Young was using against him in the uh, parking Is that why fight. he singles out Al Young? Because I was just going to yeah. ask why. Because he says, oh, do you have a guy that works here who's bald on top with long hair and a Fu Manchu mustache? And it's like, 
why did he just pick that guy of all the yeah. people that attacked him in the park structure? But you're right, it's probably because he had that wrench. Yeah, he had that wrench, and you know, MacGyver with his eagle vision was able to see some guy way far away who had a similar wrench. And yeah. there's no way that these wrenches exist anywhere. Yeah, nobody nobody uses these wrenches. These are crazy wrenches. <laughs> they're they're completely they're completely circular. They, they there's no there's no ridges to catch the bolt. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so that's when MacGyver asks. Yeah, he asks. He gives a very detailed description: ball in the front, long hair in the back, Fu Manchu mustache, and the guy, the security guard, immediately knows who he's talking about because that's a very unique look. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Which is so, why they use Al Leong so often in things. Yeah, because he's awesome. Uh, and so they bring up his em- employee file on the computer that wasn't blown up. Right. <laughs> I, I guess. It seems like the only thing that got destroyed in this room was like painting on the wall mm-hmm. and the window. The window. And the, <laughs> Yeah, and that wasn't the result of the explosion. Yeah, it was a result of the the crossbow bolt firing yeah. through it. I also feel like um, there's a cleanup crew in there, like, repainting the ceiling. And I was like, I think you'd probably want forensic. This only happened yesterday. Yeah. There might be more forensic evidence to go through. Also, you don't want to just paint in the smoke damage. Yeah, like, yeah. You're going to have to scrape that. Probably and... want to replace all these panels. Uh, yeah, so it was kind of weird that they were just immediately cleaning the office back yeah. up. Yeah. It's got to uh, look nice for the new boss. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they look up. Uh, uh, it, we discover that Al Leong's character's name is Wayne Lim. Yeah. And not only. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself about when they talk about his wife. Right. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so they're able to ID him as one of the people. And the security guard even says that he hasn't been around in a couple of days. Yeah. So. Now, from here, we cut to uh, Mr. Chung's home. That's not true. He was here last night. Yeah, yeah, he was here. (laughs) Um, At Mr. Chung's home, Luke is just kind of like walking around the house, looking at things while security kind of moves about outside. Outside? Outside. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know why? Because, like, (laughs) the next word in my notes is guys, Um, (laughs) which is like, it was like, I'm looking at my own notes. It's like, uh, my note says, this is literally what my note says. Tew arrives under the guise that she's a friend of the family. It's like, guys, what, what am, who am I? I write a note like that. Um, but that's what happens, because Tew arrives under the guise that she's a friend of the family. Right. Um, she says she is the daughter of a, the grandfather's nephew. She's the niece of the friend of the grandfather. The niece of the friend of the grandfather. You know, <laughs> it's like... What does that yeah, make if us? my uncle's friend's grandkid was like in mourning, <laughs> I wouldn't go bring him a present. Yeah, it's it's so far removed, um, <laughs> but she's she's there with a present that they wouldn't leave at the hospital because it's a gigantic birdcage and she's, live birds. She's she's communicating with him through a video monitor outside mm-hmm. because the guard is like, I don't know you, and she's like, Yeah, I don't know this kid, and he doesn't know me, but I have a present for him. Yeah, and the guy's like, Okay, well, you can go on in. Yeah, but when they're talking through the video monitor, he says, My name is, or I'm Luke Chung, and then she says, My name is Tew. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that's weird. You're both named Luke Chung. <laughs> um, the uh, the guard takes precaution of like wanding, like like electromagnetically wanding her and her purse. Um, but doesn't search the car. The car's yeah. got like a trunk, and it's a, it's a big car. Yeah, it's it's like you search her, but not the car. She could have weapons in the car that she plans to take out once she gets to the gate. Um, but I guess he seems satisfied with the gigantic birds. 
I also feel like it's probably even easier to just open a purse than it is to wand it. Yeah. Like, just look inside for a second. Oh, man, her whole plan would have been screwed if he just looked inside the purse. Yeah. Uh, luckily, he was a gentleman, and he doesn't just go snooping right. around a woman's purse. Uh, so, um, they so she she's allowed in, and now at the foundation, Pete and Mac are having a discussion. Like, it's a really casual discussion where they're kind of putting plot elements together. Yeah. They, they find out that Wayne Lim entered the country with a woman. Posing Which as we're assuming wife. is two. Correct. But it doesn't really play a part in anything. Right. and um, That he came from Hong Kong. Yeah, the flight came from Hong Kong. And the only way he could have gotten a job immediately from flying in from Hong Kong, uh, aside from being a skilled worker and there was an opening, uh, <laughs> would be that someone on the inside uh, required him to be in that position. Right. So they suspect that someone at the Jade Dragon shipping... Brought him in. Brought him in. Yeah. Um, so Mac's going to go check on Luke while Pete's going to go double check the employee files at Jade Dragon to see who might have that kind of influence. Right. So... Pete shows up at the, at the same gate with the same security guard. Or uh, MacGyver shows up. Well, yeah. We, we get we get the conversation between uh, Luke and Tew first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because... Um, she was kind of teasing Luke about being sheltered in the monastery. And and she's like, you don't know anything about war or violence or poverty. And she says, well, the monks didn't really teach me that because that's the that's, dark. That's, that's the darker side of life. Yeah. I don't like to talk about that. We, it's we, like, we, that's we, what sheltered means. We, we just ignore those things. Yeah. Um, Starvation and, is just a, ugh, no thank you. Yeah. Anyway, ooh, yeah. back to fun. So uh, Luke asks her if she wants some more tea, but which he has to apparently go make. Um, which gives her time alone with the birds in the birdcage because she opens it up and inside is a, a crazy booby trap, which she apparently she didn't activate before she left. Before. Yeah. Uh, but she's activating now so we can see it, um, that it's like full of uh, chambers of darts and she's putting in a CO2 cartridge. Yeah, there's no reason she would have waited until now to activate it except yeah. so that we can see that there's darts and tubes the whole way around it and a giant CO2 cartridge that needs to be screwed in. Because it's activated by opening the door. Yeah. Like, the music starts playing, and then when the song ends, then it yeah, launches. Yeah, kills, yeah. Assuming that the person would stay there until the song ends. Yeah. So, uh, but to you, now, with the trap set, Luke returns with the tea, but she excuses herself. And uh, as she leaves, Luke starts feeding the birds, which triggers the music to start. And we can slowly see that this chamber now at the bottom is rotating around. Yeah. Um, as she leaves in her car, Mac, they kind of cross paths with MacGyver. It's like, who was that? I'm like, oh, some woman came in here, brought a gigantic birdcage, said she was, she said she knew him. It's like, what? Cause, yeah. Because no one would know this kid. Um, this kid who lived in a monastery in San Francisco this whole yeah. time. So, Since uh, he was six, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, so MacGyver run, drives up the house, bursts into the door, and, is able to notice that the holes on the the birdcage are lining up. At the up. base of the birdcage, yeah. Yeah, so he dives and tackles Luke to the ground just as we get this really great shot. Like, it's an it's this top-down view on the birdcage, and we just see, like, eight or nine darts just shoot out in every direction. Yeah. Uh, and just are shredding, like, lamps and objects to art and just impacting all over the walls. And, These uh, should have been the same as those crossbow bolts that they fired into the oh, office. They should have all oh, exploded. Oh man, just explosions everywhere. 
yeah, why didn't they do that? <laughs> or better yet, just have the whole base of the birdcage be a bomb so that you can't even tell that it's going to... Yeah. There's yeah. no reason it should have been that way. They really like their elaborate traps, yeah. apparently. Um, so, uh, they, uh, you know, they're, MacGyver and Luke are okay. They're about to call it in, but MacGyver says, like, oh, maybe she left her purse here, which was odd. Maybe uh, we could find her IDing information in here. Yeah, because I'm sure she would have left that. Um, and so as soon as he opens up the purse, a cobra comes out of the purse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And this is one of those shots that gets added to the opening title sequence. Yeah, because the, the cobra looks pretty good in some shots. Yeah. looks terrible in others, but there's, like, that initial, like, hissing and movement. It's like, oh, that's pretty pretty good yeah um and so macgyver is like freezing because he doesn't want this cobra to attack him and luke just takes one of the darts he had picked up off the ground and underhand throws it right through like the 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 hood yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh man and so this cobra just like then this is when it looks really terrible is when that impact happens it gets hit and then it just falls over and wiggles around on the ground a little bit yeah um and there's like a a weird line because the, the running gag is this that the oh the monks taught me how to do that yeah um and macgyver's response to this time what like he says the monks taught me how to do that and macgyver goes i'm glad <laughs> <laughs> that seems like it was such a weird read yeah yeah i'm glad all right um and uh they get uh luke uh sorry macgyver calls in to pete only to find out that Pete's at the hospital because Mr. Chung has gone into a critical condition. Right. But by the time they get there, he's already dead. Yeah, he's covered up with a blanket. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're wheeling him out. out of the room, but but um, uh, Luke has enough time to ask them to stop for a moment so that he can see the body. And he looks at his grandfather's eyes, and then he says, my father was, or my grandfather was murdered. Yeah. Like, yeah, kid, that's... That's, that's why happened. he's here. He, he, he came to the hospital because somebody murdered your grandfather. Mm-hmm. And then he says, no, no, no. He was poisoned. And it's like, I don't know why that's relevant. Like, uh, you already know someone was trying to kill him. Whether yeah. or not he was poisoned here or he was killed in his office. Right. If something happened. I, I guess because uh, the poison would be a new thing. But yeah. Still. Either way, your grandfather was murdered. Yeah. You can still. It's not like it was natural causes. Like he just bought an explosive painting. It happened for the best of us. (laughs) You back back in the the Ming Dynasty, they they made. They would paint gunpowder landscapes. (laughs) Uh. So, from here we cut to Luke alone at uh, his grandfather's house praying to. Playing video games. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) he's praying to a statue. He's got like candles lit and incense. Guan Di. And uh, Pete and MacGyver are deploying security forces all around the house. Yeah. Um, hopefully they've fired the guard at the front gate. Yeah. Um, and uh, when MacGyver and Pete go in to check on Luke, he's gone. Which, again, with all that security, you think someone would have seen him, but I guess he's got special training. Yeah. Uh, MacGyver figures that Luke must be going after uh for revenge for him by himself because the God he was praying to wasn't like a, a morning God. He wasn't like praying for his grandfather's soul. More he was evening like, God. Yeah. <laughs> Late afternoon. Yeah. Um, he was praying for like vengeance. success, you yeah. know, like success in his vengeance. And, uh, 
So MacGyver is figures that Luke's going to go looking in Chinatown for the poison because that's the only lead that they have at this point. Yeah, it's called he... Hei Shin. Mm-hmm. And so he decides he's going to go to Chinatown and, and head Luke off at the pass. And so he's down there already yeah. and just goes like, hey, Luke. Like he just sees him coming out of a pharmacy and yeah. Luke's just all smiles like, yeah. oh, MacGyver, what's MacGyver, up? Hey. How's it going? Like <laughs> doesn't realize that he's caught at all. Yeah, like he's like just super genuinely happy to see MacGyver. Like, this is so great. I mean... What we... are the chances? <laughs> um, but uh, this is where we get the title of the episode. Right. Because MacGyver's kind of like, "Why? what are you doing out here? Like, you should be safe. Let the police handle this. And Luke says to the effect... Well, in, in my, my gran- grandfather's country. <laughs> yeah, in my grandfather's country, which is not mine. Um, I was born here. Yeah. Uh, they say that a man should not live under the same sky as his father's murderers. Right. Um, which he's adapting to be grandfather, um, but still continuing with the murderers. Because presumably he already killed his father's murderers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Heart disease. Uh... They could have done a prequel episode. Oh, there's a cold case. All these guys got killed in a restaurant, and we don't know what happened. Oh, it turns out Luke killed them all because they killed his father. Yeah, you're under arrest. <laughs> uh the um at Alistair's office we open up with him just slapping Tew to the ground. Yeah. Um and Which I assumed was like the first step in, in her like changing sides. Yeah. Because like Luke says a comment to her at the house which kinda like Like you've been hurt. Yeah, and that kind of upsets her. But then she still sets up the trap. Yeah. Um and then this slap also seems like kind of like, okay, maybe I've had enough of this place. Um, but that's not what happens. Uh, they, they plan now to kidnap Luke and take him alive and have him legally sign the paper over episode one style, uh, of, well, if he signs under coercion, it's completely legal. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. He should have just signed it and then said, yeah, I signed that in a basement at gunpoint. Yeah. Cause Here's MacGyver. Here's my witness. Yeah. They shot MacGyver. Oh, well, anyway. Yeah, MacGyver died. That's pretty good evidence, right? Uh, it's not legally binding. There's no notary. <laughs> uh, Turns out Steve's a notary, too. Oh, dang it. Too bad he died. <laughs> Steve, orderly notary. <laughs> That's what his business card says. Um, yeah, we find out also um, that Steve is dead at this point. Yeah, but he already signed it, so... Yeah. It's okay. They, they had him sign all the paperwork yeah. as, uh, as a notary before they killed him. Uh, Pete's uh, agents had found him in the trunk of his own car. Right. Uh, which is really where I would look. There's an awful big smell coming Seems from like the natural causes to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as soon as Mac and Luke try to leave Chinatown, Raymond and Tew have found them just as easy as Mac found Luke. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, threatens them to get into, demands that they get into a car. And this is where Luke and Mac finally realize the one who's behind the conspiracy is Raymond. Raymond. And MacGyver gives them a dig of, like, I want you to meet your grandfather's trusted vice president. Right. Um, And so they're taken to a small warehouse and then taken to the basement of said warehouse, which is smaller than the warehouse. Yeah. It's like a super tiny basement room. It doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, compared to a giant building. Yeah. It's like, we're going to have this gigantic warehouse, but this basement's only going to be about 10 by 10. Right. Uh, and so they're left down there to 
think about it. Um, and as MacGyver and Luke start looking for a way out, MacGyver finds some kind of a, a Chinese kanji carved into the wall. Yeah. And and so he asks Luke, you know, can you translate this? And it's like an old prayer about it's an old protection prayer. And he's Luke says that it's very old, and I'm not sure if he's talking about the carving or the saying of the expression. I think it's more the expression. Yeah. Because Cause I think MacGyver would be just as much of an expert on whether the carving was old. Yeah. Because I, I guess the whole thing about this setup now is that MacGyver uh, tells Luke the story of Chinese immigrants in America who were very poorly treated, um, used for hard labor. Um, not slave labor in a sense, because they were technically paid, but they were right. essentially slaves. Yeah. Um, like Irish immigrants were. Yeah. It, it's it's just like, you know, oh, yeah, sure, you're working hard. Don't you use your penny. Um, Here's a potato. Yeah, enjoy. Uh, but uh, they would often hide in places when uh, vigilantes would come and just kind of like rough them up to let them know that they're not worth it. And, so and occasionally Mac- they would tunnel out of basements like this. Yeah. So the plight of the, plight of the, the Chinese in America, MacGyver figures there must be a secret way out of this room. Yeah. And uh, so he starts taking apart a old radio and I don't quite understand the principles of what's going on here. Yeah. He says it's sonar. Yeah. He's that, that putting one speaker on one wall and then moving the other speaker around another wall somehow will produce, um, a different sound feedback. I, I don't know. It, it, it seems like I want to believe MacGyver, but it just seems like a weird, a weird idea. Yeah. Um, but it works because they're able to find a hollow in a, in a section of wall. But before they can do anything about it, the bad guys re-enter right. the basement. And uh, they so come... they just look all nonchalant. Oh, we weren't doing anything. Yeah, they throw everything back down on the ground and yeah. just like, uh... um, they come down to make Luke the offer: uh, sign over the company or we kill you. Right. No coercion. Sign over the company yeah. or we shoot you. That's what he says. Yeah. No coercion. It's perfectly legal. Um, for a child to yeah. sign over a company. Yeah, he's fourteen. Any contract he signs isn't legally binding anyway. Um, so uh, Tooth comes in with her Uzi to to enhance the threat, and MacGyver says, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Give me a couple minutes alone with the kid. I'll convince him that." And we the... won't have to get anybody hurt. Yeah. And it, for some reason, they care suddenly about people getting hurt, so they decide, okay, take yeah. your time. Yeah, but but the the realistic thing is they say, you have five minutes. It's like, good, because... Usually you give them a day. Yeah, when um when Jack and Mike were in the basement, uh, he's like, I'll give you 24 hours to <laughs> yeah, tell us where the drugs are. Um, was, was that Jack, King of Lies, or something like that? Yeah, or? it was Jack of Lies. Jack of Lies. Um. Uh, yeah, he's like, you give me 24 hours to tell me where my drugs are. It's like, they're going to be tied up in a basement for 24, 24 hours. 24 hours talking about this? Uh, they're going to be dead. They're probably going to be, like, hungry and urinating all over themselves. <laughs> How about come back in five minutes? Yeah, five minutes. They give them five minutes. That's perfectly reasonable. Um, so they give them the five minutes, and then uh, Luke and Mac are able to find the secret entrance to a tunnel. Which they didn't really need an invention for. They could have just pushed on the wall in three places. Yeah. Um, or knocked on the wall and listened for a hollow sound. Or like in the in the next episode, just hold up a candle. And look for the wind. Look for the crack, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but before they leave the basement, MacGyver takes like a spray bottle of some kind of chemical, like cleaning chemical, and bursts the light bulbs. Yeah, he just sprays the light bulbs and they explode. Presumably because a hot bulb is suddenly cooling very quickly. Yeah, or it might also be the chemical vapors combusting sure, on yeah. the surface of the bulb. I don't know. It looks cool, though, yeah. because it's just like... Uh, that's the sound it makes. <laughs> that's it, exactly. <laughs> I'm a Foley artist. Um, so they, they, they head down the tunnel, and uh, before they get to the end of the tunnel, there's like another door they open up, and it leads into just a big open room... And it turns out this wasn't the hiding place of the struggling Chinese workers who were desperate to, to, to hide from the people beating them. It was an opium lab, and they were horrible right. drug dealers. They were just making drugs down here. <laughs> I was like, that's a quick switch. Yeah. I mean, first you're playing up, like, the... the, the sympathetic. Yeah, the, the racial sympathy of these poor people, but now you're stereotyping them into being horrible opium smugglers. Yeah. Um... Uh, it was a quick turn. Yeah. Uh, but MacGyver thinks it's perfect because there's so much opium for them. <laughs> right. And all the lights are still on in this room. Yeah, the lights work it's after... It's like a 100-year-old Motel 6. Yeah, he he says that, like, it would have to have been at the early part of the 19th century... Or yeah. The, uh, the 20th century. Um, and this building is old enough. It's like, well, those light bulbs won't be old enough. Yeah, so the, the, the those lights have been on for, like, 60 years. And they're tapped into the house electricity. Yeah. Nobody noticed that all this extra, all these extra kilowatt hours are. Yeah, and just like the off. abandoned mine in, uh, in the Jack in the Box episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, these lights still work in this abandoned mine. Yeah. Why didn't we check the mine that had the, still had the electricity? Who's paying for all of this? Uh, yeah. So MacGyver looks around and he's got a plan, and the plan involves paper, dirt. Dust and cross beams. We don't know what he's doing. He's putting this all together. Um, As he's doing this, the bad guys come in and and find that the lights are off and they think MacGyver's just stalling. Um, It seems to me, though, a better plan would have been to take out the lights, climb up on top of those shelves, because when the bad guys come in with flashlights, they're just looking all over the ground. Yeah, just jump down on them. Just jump down or just brace yourself against the wall and let knock the shelves over onto them. Like, yeah, this seems like you had a lot of other options than, than this desperate hope that there's a tunnel. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Raymond, Alistair and two are looking around and two notices that the dirt by the wall has been disturbed and that there must be a door. And Alistair's reaction is what? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I've been putting people down here for years. Like, I, I can't believe that there has been a secret door this whole time. Um, it actually probably would have worked better if they had pushed open the secret door and then hid somewhere. Yeah. So that when they came down into the basement, they noticed the secret door is open and they're like, what, what is this? And then they go inside the room and then you sneak out. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a even better plan. <laughs> you, you leave it open a crack so they see it. Yeah. And then they go down. Or the completely tunnel. open. Cause it's like, we didn't even have time to come back. We just figured yeah. another exit and left. Um, oh yeah. That's such a better plan. <laughs> Um, it's like, MacGyver, what's in here? It doesn't matter if we're not using that way. Yeah, we're not going that way. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna, I'm not going to hope that this 60-year-old tunnel hasn't caved in. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and they, then when the people go in there, they just close the door behind them. Yeah. And lock them in. And uh, so they start making their way down the tunnel while uh, Mac 
fit, puts the final touches on this now dirt covered paper that he's like sprinkling extra dust on and uh, they get to the the final door leading to the opium lab and two just opens fire on it to blow the, yeah. the lock off um, it's a good thing they weren't hiding behind that door directly yeah <laughs> um, so they enter the lab and they immediately say that there's no way out of this room without, right. without having looked at the room at all. They say they must still be in here somewhere. Right. Even yeah. though we can hear running water, which I yeah. assumed meant that they were going to leave either through the way the water is coming in or the way it's draining out. Yeah. Because the room isn't flooded. Right. So this water isn't filling the room. It's draining back out somewhere. Yeah. Um, also, where is this? Like, I mean, like how far underground, if you're only at basement level, like, so you're just under the street, but yet this is room this is water just flowing in from like the street. Like yeah. this is just the gutter. Yeah. What? Where? Where? Is, where is this supposed to be? Spatially, there's a natural waterfall ten feet underground. <laughs> um, I mean, I suppose they could be by the ocean, and it's like like the it's like the. But water it didn't table. seem like they were that close. To yeah. It. So, um, as they're looking around the uh, opium lab, Tew notices that. Uh, a Swiss Army knife sitting out at the waterfall. At the waterfall, and she and Raymond get super close to it, and uh, then all of a sudden you just hear MacGyver yell, "Now!" Typical telegraphing. Luke and MacGyver burst through their paper fake rock wall, and each of them take a punch to Raymond and to to knock them out completely. Yeah. Also. Alistair is really dropping the ball on this because there's like a good long moment where MacGyver and Luke are trying to recover from their jump punch and Alistair could have been shooting them this whole time. Yeah. Rather than... Instead, he's like sneaking daintily around yeah. the room to try and catch up with them. Um, so MacGyver and Luke are both forced to die for cover and Luke hides behind like this like oven or kiln of some kind. And when Alistair, an opium desk, we call it. Yeah, that. sorry. I don't know, I'm not up to all my opium drug paraphernalia. Well, it's an opium desk. <laughs> the way it works is the user sticks their head over a hole in the table. <laughs> and they and then blow. they blast opium into their face. Because uh, that's what happens. And that's what he does to Alistair. Yeah, Alistair gets a face full of opium. And, uh, and MacGyver just runs out, kicks the gun out of his hands into Luke's hands. It's a great kick. Yeah. Um, done between two shots, but still a great kick. Uh, and so, with Luke with gun in hand, they got Kills all the bad Alistair. guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I expected him to do. Alistair. You realize you're still living under your murderer's sky, right, Luke? Yeah. There's. Well, I guess, unless you can consider that if they're in jail, they're not under the sky? Uh, I don't know. They're underground, so maybe yeah. they're safe just here. Gonna, we're just going to bury them in here. Stay in this building. <laughs> Have fun, you guys. Plenty of running water and opium. <laughs> That's all you really need. The four food groups, opium and water. Uh, so we cut from here. This is, this is our Act 4 finale to the Act 5 roundup where they're back at the Jade Dragon's office. Um, Luke enters wearing a tailored suit to his size uh, and sits in the grandfather's chair because he's now the president of the company. 14-year-old president. Yep. Uh, and uh, But Pete stresses that there will be Phoenix Foundation people in place 
Yeah, to they're going to help you run the company, but it's yours to do with what you yeah. want. So if you decide that it's suddenly going to be a toy company, like we have to do that. We're right. just going to help you do it in a smart way. Uh, and uh, MacGyver's kind of teasing Luke about the tie. And they do like one last kind of like joke where uh, Luke says, oh, I've learned so much from MacGyver. And MacGyver says, what have you learned? It's like, I've learned that I have a lot to learn. Like, yeah, uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that's the end. It's like, well, what happened to the people? Like, were they arrested? I no, mean, no, they're they're still down there, unconscious. I hate when they don't give us like a they give us a wrap up that you're just supposed to assume everything's working out okay. Yeah. The cartel is still out there trying to take over this company. You think yeah. they just said, well, I guess we can't take over this company. We're gonna leave anymore. this fourteen year old unattended in the in the office that exploded earlier this yeah, week. Yeah. With the cartel who's desperate to take it over by any means necessary, including murdering children. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll be fine. Yeah, everything's gonna go according to plan. In actuality, that kid turns over and sells it to Hong Kong immediately. Yeah. Immediately. He's just like, Where's my money? I need to add some rooms to the yeah. monastery. Um, at this point, too, it's also important to note that Hong Kong is still under the control of the British. Right. Um, it's still a British territory. Hence Alistair's accent. Yeah. So um, I'm sure uh, that was all part of it. So yeah. it's kind of a good detail. It's a good episode, though. I mean, it's kind of a not a finale episode, but it's better than a clip show finale. Yeah. Which um, we're going to get for the next couple seasons. <laughs> um, I never really understand the clip show finale. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, the finale is the one before the clip show. They just right. needed something else to fill out. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a decent episode. It's got some good fights, some crazy action, some returning care, returning actors. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tia Carrera. And a lot of people borrowed from Kung Fu. Yeah. So it's pretty exciting in that respect. Yeah. Um, and it's a decent story. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing, com- there's no complete logical fallacies to what happens. Yeah. But I like it. Yeah. It's good stuff. I think that's about it for this one. Yeah. Um, if you guys have anything you'd like to share on this one, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit, or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast, or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And as always, if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Uh, that's the end of season three. Woo! So tune in next week. We're going to be covering season four, episode one, The Secret of Parker House. Oh my gosh! It's a good one. It's Halloween. Yeah, that's so exciting. Season premiere on Halloween. Pretty cool. So tune in for that, and thank you for listening. Thank you.